White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 767. It was the middle of the Earth year 2261, the year between wars and the beginning of a new age. The Shadow War was over, but there was still a darkness waiting for us at home. President Santiago had been assassinated, and his successor, President Clark, was turning Earth into a prison camp. We'd broken away from Earth, and in retaliation, they quarantined us, trying to strangle our supply lines. We were desperate, and we couldn't afford to lose even a single supply ship. In the midst of all of this, we made contact with Third Space, and we almost didn't survive it. I only hope we never come across it again, because next time, no one's going to survive it. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From deep in the heart of third space... It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. How are you tonight, back in normal space, Andy? (laughs) Van, I'm doing fantastic. Just had a nice holiday weekend and uh, had four days off work, so... I'm nice and relaxed. How about you? How are you doing? Well, you know, the folks listening may be listening in 2037. So what holiday was it, Andy? (laughs) It was Thanksgiving in 2023. There you go. It was the Earth Year 2023. (laughs) And Thanksgiving's not a holiday they really celebrated very visibly on Babylon 5. But um, in fact, the only holiday I remember them celebrating particularly is New Year's Day, right? New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Right. Kind of like China. The only holiday they really celebrate New Year's Eve. Interesting. Yeah. All good. Everything good here. Good here. Good, good, good. So Andy and I, as you regular listeners know, made our way finally, after over a year, we finished season four. We, we took our blessed sweet time, but I think it was well worth it getting through season four. It deserved it. I agree. It did. I agree. It deserved it. And then we did our season four wrap up. And and we did with Nathan, and we yep. did a little special episode with Stargate Universe. John and I keep meaning to do the second half of the Foundation season two review, but we just don't ever get around to it. But we are going to do it one of these days. And uh, now, oh, now we're moving on. We're into the TNT TV movies, and I believe there are four of those that we're going to look at before yep. we get into season five. I, some would argue we're trying to delay season five as long as possible. I think that's unfair, but there may be a little truth to it. I don't know. I'm actually we'll looking forward to season five. I, I, you know, it's it, it, there's 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 going to be some gold in there somewhere. I'm sure we'll yeah. find it. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm curious to see if we have a similar reaction to season five that we had to season one, which is you know it was better than I remembered. Right. Absolutely. I I gained a whole new appreciation for season one, you know, watching it through through our our podcast. So, yeah, I'm hoping that that uh, the same thing happens with season five. I, I'm I'm very curious to see how that comes about. Yeah, me too. So, any news this week? I haven't seen any Babylon Five news in weeks. Have you? I have not. Not since the the animated movie came out. In fact, he really hasn't said much of anything. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I know that the the um, actor strike is over and the writer strike is over. So that's, yes, yes, that's good. That's if, important. And the the pilots are going to be starting filming soon. I would assume if there's going to be any for the for the new season, whatever pilots are, are have been ordered. So I'm assuming that um, if we hear anything, it's going to be soon. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything, that's a really good if, point. I hadn't thought yeah. of. 
yeah, with all the strikes pretty much over or wrapping up now, pretty much coming to an end, things should find. I mean, think about it. We had COVID, and then we had the, the strikes, and right. those are the two things that will most delay TV production. I can't think of, other than like a gigantic earthquake hitting Hollywood, there's not really much well, else that could do it. We had a major reshuffling and ownership change yes. of the network involved. So that's, that's huge. That's that that uh, that's what affected it the most i think is that yeah. so they passed on the or they delayed they didn't pass on the the um the pilot they delayed you know a decision on it so yeah. that's we'll see the one the one thing i will note is you mentioned the animated movie i saw it in the wild i was at walmart i think it was walmart maybe target i've been to walmart and target a lot lately cuz of thanksgiving dinner and everything buying stuff in a hurry after work and I saw the, the, I guess, the Blu-ray. I don't think it was like a 4K. It might have been. But I saw a disc in a disc box, you know, of the animated movie on the shelf, on the stand at either Target or Walmart here in Third Space slash Southern Illinois. Same thing. So, <laughs> so it is out there for people to buy in physical media right, right. now. And I've seen some of the uh, actors involved with it um, actually promoting it on on Twitter and Facebook. So that's kind of cool, too. Now that they can. Right. That didn't help either, that they couldn't really promote it when it came out. Right. Yet yet another disadvantage that Babylon 5 faces, as always. Well, we do not have ads on this here program, as most of you know. We are supported entirely by our listeners. So... Rather than having to hear a bunch of ads that just randomly interrupt the show. And by the way, our podcast host company has asked me multiple times over the last couple of years if I would like to buy to have ads that, that would interrupt the show automatically placed. And I said, no, I would not like to have yep. those. Nope, I would not, not, not. So to keep that the way it is, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, the, the letter B, the number five in review.com. Click on the Become a Patron box, join the family and you get uh, usually you get the shows early though this week I think we can be forgiven for Thanksgiving and everything with our right. families that we're kind of recording this on Sunday night so everybody's going to pretty much get it at the same time hopefully well we'll be interrupted again with Christmas goings on but once we get past that hopefully we'll be back to normal just as season five is getting underway so I think our listeners appreciate and understand that sometimes you know things like Christmas and Thanksgiving all kind of conspire or the iron bowl in my case yesterday conspire to keep us from recording but all right and the last thing i'll note is that we of course have a spoiler section spoiler space at the end we'll go through the jump gate uh before we get you into that uh we always start out with the summary so who wants to do the summary of this one mine will be about seven words so uh why don't you go ahead and do the summary the crew discovers a mysterious ancient artifact in hyperspace. That's very succinct. I like it. <laughs> it. I will say, this is the first filmed two-hour Babylon 5 TV movie. When TNT agreed to produce a fifth season of the show, they also signed on to produce several TV movies. I believe they did four. This was the first one filmed, but it aired second after In the Beginning. We're doing it now because it was the first one filmed. And somebody asked JMS um, how this worked out, and he said the prequel is going to be aired first. That's in the beginning. But it was produced second because B5 didn't exist during the prequel time period. So rather than tear down and then rebuild the sets, we're doing third space first. So they basically just used the sets that they were already using for at the end of season four, filmed this, then took them down, filmed in the beginning, and then I guess eventually put them back up for season five. That makes sense. There you go. Yeah. More or less. All right. Notable guest stars. Uh, there's a whole bunch, but the main ones, I think, are Sherry Belaf- Belafonte as Dr. Trent and good old William Sanderson as Deuce. What did you think about Deuce being back after his appearance back in season one's Grail? Yeah, that kind of shocked me. I wasn't expecting that at all. That was kind of a neat little throwback to, ha- to bring him back and and for him to be the same character because it very easily could have just had him, you know, be a, a, an entirely different, you know, lurker or something like that oh, because... Yeah. You know, who would remember that from four years ago? So that was neat. And I'll say I thought Deuce was actually one of the high points of this movie simply because he was in his first incarnation. The first time we saw him, he was one of those many JMS 
thug bad guys that you and I rail about, right? We don't like. Right. Right. One-dimensional, dull, boring, and usually not a great actor. Right. But and and Sanderson's acting is unique. His mm-hmm. line readings always sound like he's got a book held up in front of him that he's reading, and yet somehow with him <laughs> it actually kind of works. You know, from Deadwood right. to Blade Runner to Newhart, everything he's ever been on, and he's been on a lot of big things. You know, right? He's always the same person. Yeah, it's like he could be on anything, and he's like. Well, I don't know about you going over there. And you're like, with him, that works. He is the very epitome of a character actor. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. You know, you know what you get when you, when you bring him on board. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I liked him here because he wasn't that. He was like a victim of the mind control thing like everybody else until he got to do something different. Right. Which was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And it was neat to me how for each of the TNT movies, they tried to get like one fairly big star and then one kind of mid-tier star. I'm not exactly sure looking back which one of them qualifies as the t- I think they thought Sherry Balafonte was the top-tier star and William Sanderson was the middle star. But honestly, if you look back at their careers, it might be the other way around now. Right. Well, Sherry Belafonte was definitely easier on the eyes than than Deuce, <laughs> William so. Sanderson. I gotta, I'll give you that. All right. Here's here's everybody's favorite segment of our show. Andy guesses the P five rating. So oh, as God. as always, <laughs> oh, this should be great. As always, what happens is on the Lurkers Guide they rate them between zero and ten back at the time they first aired, and hundreds of fans emailed in and voted, and those are all stashed away, and I go and get them, and then I see if Andy can guess what the actual audience reaction was on a scale of 0 to 10 when, the, when it first aired. And he's, you developed a system that was very, very, very accurate. Right. I would take our, what I think that we would rate it, multiply by 2, and then either add a little bit or <laughs> subtract a little bit. That's it. Yeah, it's like converting from Celsius to Fahrenheit. (laughs) (laughs) Converting from Andy to P5. Right, right. Holy crap. Somewhere in there is like the square root of the hypotenuse, I think. You use that too, right? (laughs) Or pi. I think you use pi somewhere in there. Pi fits in there, a little bit of cupcake too. All right, what is your P, what is your guess as to the P5 rating? And I'm really curious. I had such a visceral reaction to this. Wow. I don't know if I could I don't know if I can be accurate this time. I'm going to say Interesting. interesting. Uh, and we usually take into account the fact that well, I don't know. Well, we usually I'm take gonna, into account the fact that people voted when they'd never seen it before. Right. And so their numbers right. are a little higher than little we would normally, higher. yeah, because right. they're it was exactly. new and fresh and exciting, yeah. I'm going to say 7.3. Well, you'd be very far off. Really? The P5 rating was 8.05. Not a whole lot off, but up a, up a number, up a wow. digit. Yeah. Well, Eight, I, I, guess I, I guess I just spoiled what my, my rating will be. <laughs> yeah, because you added to get up to 7 and something there. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I was being a little generous there. Oh, wow. Well, the original air date of this one is July 19th, 1998. Okay. Uh, so it was several months before. Uh, it was right before Season 5 started. So we saw this before we saw Season 5. Written by JMS, directed by Jesus Trevino up on our Mount Rushmore. Yep. Novelization by Peter David. Interesting. I, I kind of want to read. Yeah, they did a novelization of all of them except River of Souls, I think. This, I, and we'll talk about this when we get to River of Souls. I think it is, but I think that's the one that they got like Robert Sheckley or somebody to sign a contract to do it. And he got about 60 pages and just said, This is all I got. I just can't make <laughs> I can't make a 200-page book out of this. And they're just like, okay, don't do it. And they just do it in the trash. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was River of Souls. But yeah. all the others. I know there was an In the Beginning novelization. And, um, and I think I there would, was a call to arms. I, I would be very curious to read that Peter David novelization because there's not a whole lot of meat to this one either. And I'm, I'm curious as to how he fleshed it out oh but you know he did he probably put like a whole other he probably because he knows the show as well as jms practically he right he probably put a whole other episode's worth of material in there you're right i kind of want to track it down now i kind of want to track it down. yeah he probably had a whole 
alien, the the whole civilization for the the third space aliens all worked out, and their oh, language yeah. worked out. <laughs> yeah, their politics Prob- and all that stuff. Probably a whole backstory of Sherry Malafondi's character, a whole bunch of IP. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I didn't buy those at the time. I didn't buy any of those novelizations of the movies at the time, just because I'm like, eh, I saw it. I didn't need the book, you know. But right. when you put it that way, I'm like, dang, I wish I'd bought them because I still have yeah. them. I've got all the books back here behind me. I did get. Well, anyway, all right. So let's see. Um, what kind of. Uh, I got to well, hold on, but before we get into random factoids and notes, I have a few plot okay. points and unanswered questions. I'm just going to throw out real quickly. Um, so basically, the idea is the Vorlons had just gotten really extra full of themselves, even for Vorlons, and they were building all these cool things that ended up being nightmarish horror devices. One of them opened a doorway into what they believed was a well of souls. I don't know if it has anything to do with the well of forever in Crusade. Right. And instead, it opened a hole to an, to basically, it basically opened a, a, a wormhole into the H.P. Lovecraft universe, which we'll talk right. about more in a minute. And so they ended up fighting a, a, a race of beings even more telepathically powerful than them and barely, barely, barely survived. But some Vorlons under mental control threw it into hyperspace before it could be destroyed, the, the, the third space gate. And it's been floating around like in the ocean, and it just drifted up on the shore near Babylon 5. Now, did the Vorlons discover that gate, or did they build that gate? No, they built it. They built it thinking that it would link them into, like, heaven or something, and instead, more like hell. Um, So the Vorlons had a kind of a racial memory of the third space gate is dangerous, don't mess with it, and Lita kind of inherited part of that thanks to her contact with Vorlons. I'm really surprised Sheridan didn't get any of that. Right, through through his connection Kosh. with Kosh. Yeah. And I think I think that's why Lita was able to share that memory with him because of his connection to Kosh. Yeah, yeah. And it may be why he was kind of immune to it right. trying to control him or the aliens trying to control him. So, yeah, right. that's cool. Uh, let's see. IPX is just a whole nest of bad guys and gals, and we don't like them very much. And we found out a lot about how they can operate outside the, the boundaries of EarthGov. They can do whatever they right. want, basically. Right. If there's enough money on the line, you know, they get a pass. They are a multinational corporation, only in this case it's multi-planetary corporation. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah, their aims and goals out outreach those of the uh, the planetary governments. So yeah, they are able to to work with an in-between well, stuff. We've seen their representative before. I feel like um, wasn't uh, was it David McCallum that was one on infection back in season one was an IPX yep. guy maybe. Yep. And of course the one IPX person that I really like was Max in Crusade and we're going to get into that I guess in about a year and a half or something, right? And that'll be fun because I really like Max. I thought he was a great character, and he was an IPX. Yeah. Um, uh, Babylon Five has a small supply of tactical nuclear weapons, which is nice <laughs> because John Sheridan's the captain, so he needs his <laughs> he needs his stash of nukes, right? I I, got, I have that in my notes. I have yes. smiling Johnny's got a nuke. <laughs> uh, uh, nuke them all straight to hell. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> And lastly, Zach wants to date Lita, and that leads to the most memorable scene in the entire movie, I think, and it's the one that people remember and talk about. All right. And I've got something to say about that scene as well. All right. Unanswered questions. Uh, what were the Vorlon's other mistakes? Well, oh, so many of them. So many. How many cool TV movies could we have gotten just on Vorlon mistakes? Right. I think quite a you few. You could add a whole series yeah. based on Vorlon mistakes. I mean, there was the there was the episode where they made cornbread and put sugar in it. So many mistakes, <laughs> Andy. So many mistakes. Um, what did the Vorlon writing on the on the third space gate say? They never really told us. Right. Who built the original jump gates? They said even the Vorlons didn't didn't build them and the shadows right. were I mean the shadows were around for longer than anybody right maybe it was Lorian's people that's what I'm thinking yeah or, couldn't or, be any earlier than that or Zathras yeah it was 100% it was Zathras <laughs> but not Zathras Zathras no, Zathras 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 right. and Zathras yes of course uh, what was the deal with the alien city and the tower why were so many people having visions of it? Was it on the alien home world? Why were they seeing it, right? I mean, it was just kind of okay. weird. It, it was like an excuse to do an H.P. Lovecraft thing. But um, 
And what were those creatures? Were those the third space aliens or those just monsters that lived outside of the city? Or what? what's the deal? That was just a weird thing. I took them to be the aliens themselves, but I'm okay. not sure because they were kind of big. And I don't know how they would fit in those fighters, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I have a question about that. Yeah. Were all the were all the people that were um, affected by this were they latent telepaths or had some telepathic uh, genes in them? Maybe not enough to, to register um, yeah. on the the, the uh, with the psychor, but enough. I mean, because we know Ivanova was affected, and we know Definitely. that she is a latent telepath. Well, what about Veer? What about Veer? Yeah, that was that would yeah. be interesting. Would be yeah, very interesting. Um, let's see. Could could third third space be used as an instantaneous travel tube if it wasn't infested by evil aliens? Right. Because they weren't really. It it never it never. I mean it never. They never made it clear if the third space aliens are just like that's what you get in third space or were they like a third party in third space or what? You know what I mean? It's like there was just a lot of vague there. Right. JMS kind of threw a lot of ideas at the wall and some of them stuck and some of them right. didn't. The way that it was, that the, the feeling that I got that came across was third space is basically hell. Yeah. And if you're going to use third space to travel anywhere, you have to travel through hell, which means you're going to have to which, face some pretty hellacious things. Which is two things. It's Warhammer 40,000. Right. And um, and, which, and the, and the live-action, unintended spinoff, Event Horizon. Right. <laughs> and it's the backbone of my space opera universe, which I did totally yes. separate from this, where in the, in the, right. in the Shattering books, there's, there's basically the above, the below, and then our universe. And sometimes you go right. in the above, and it's all well and good, and sometimes you go in the below, and things don't go so well. It, it would also be a nod to the black hole. Disney's the black yes. hole. Yes, yes, very good. Which creeped me out as a kid. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, if only it had an ending. All right, random factoids <laughs> and notes. What have you got? I've got, let me see, the elevator scene that you uh, mentioned earlier. Yeah. When they finished editing the, the film that they, that they had shot, they were two minutes short. So they went back to JMS, and JMS says, well, crap. And then he put that elevator scene in there. That was nothing but filler. And it's the most memorable scene right. in the entire show. Right. Yep, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and the artifact and the aliens were designed by uh, Wayne Barlow. Wayne Barlow. Science, yeah, a science fiction. I had that book. I had his book when I was a little yeah. kid, and it creeped yeah. me out. Wayne Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I, and I thought that was really cool because Wayne Barlow informed so much of how I saw literary science fiction uh, aliens. You know, with the, the whole Dune, the whole Dune thing. Yeah. Well, what, his book came out around 1980 thereabouts, I think. Right. Right. And I remember getting it at at like B Dalton or whatever the bookstore I used to go to in Birmingham. Yep. Yep. And. And um, I had never read most of the books that his aliens were from because it was full of his paintings, his his like very accurate um, anatomy, right. accurate aliens. And right. I'd never read most of them. And some I went and read because of that. Yeah. Like I read, so I read Ring World, ran into the puppeteers. Yep. And so I knew what I the puppeteers looked because like. Because of that. Yeah, there were several in there. I can't remember all of them, but I remember the puppeteers were in there, and I remember like, oh, and I read Ringworld, yeah, and Ringworld Engineers, two of my favorite books. Uh, that's really cool, yeah, because it lent a little realism. That was his thing. Is he was like a zoologist who also liked sci-fi, so he right. painted aliens the way that they like that actually their muscles would work and their bones would be structured and all that. Yep. Really cool. And I thought I thought the designs were were gorgeous. I thought the that the the uh, alien artifact itself was was creepy as crap. Mm -hmm. And I thought the, the aliens were a cool design, and the ships were really cool, too. So, yeah, I, I think he did an excellent job with that. I was not impressed, by the way, with the, with the alien spaceships. I was expecting them to be, like, devastatingly powerful. And mm -hmm. they just seemed, like, about on par with the White Stars and the other ships. They didn't really seem as... Well, the only thing that actually made it through were the little fighters, which yeah. were on par with the White Star. But the, the big yeah. capital ships coming in behind... Because it took, the you know... A white star, or two white stars, with concentrated fire to to kill one of those fighters. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. All right. Any other factoids and notes? 
No, I don't, that's all I had. That and smiling Johnny's got a nuke. <laughs> that's it. All right, I got. I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I was going to say that it's, instead of smiling Johnny, we got an installment of nuke them all and send them straight to hell, Johnny. That's that's exactly <laughs> right. And this is the fourth time that smiling Johnny has used nuclear weapons against vastly superior alien forces. Of course, yeah. he made his reputation blowing up the the Black Star, right? And then he blew up the Shadow City in Zahadum. Right. And then he also blew up a bunch of Shadows and Vorlons at Coriana 6 and into the fire. Right. So this right. is the fourth time he's nuked aliens. He just, for somebody's supposed to, and he, yet he's married to one. Go figure right. that. <laughs> Marry one, nuke all the rest. Um, let's see. This was the H.P. Lovecraft Babylon 5 story, which is not something I saw coming the first time I saw it. I expected right. it to be the space battle Babylon 5 story, and instead it became the horror right. Babylon 5, which was interesting. Yeah. All right, I had a note here. The Third Space, the movie, has three things going for it that recommend it. Three things. It's a movie, which is kind of a cool thing, right? So it gives it a little panache that an, a regular season five episode or season four episode wouldn't have. Let's say season four because that's when it's set, okay? Number two, going for it. It's set in the middle of season four, which is a great time for a Babylon 5 story. Um, and three, it's a cosmic mystery horror battle story, which is... You know, it could have been River of Souls, for example. <laughs> you know, it could have been, uh, but it's not. It's it's got it's got some stuff to it that we should like. You know what I mean? It 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 seems like it's pitched over the plate to us. It doesn't seem like it's off in foul territory, or whatever. This seems like something we should like at first blush. Okay, hold that right. thought. I, I, hold right. that thought. All right. So it's got those things going for it that should recommend it. Um, it's got one thing going against it, which is well, it's two. All right, it's got two things going against it. I would argue one is Babylon Five doesn't work as well in short form as it does in long form. Okay, Correct. and two, it's missing a lot of our favorite characters. And three, I mm-hmm. would say because it is set in the middle of season four, and season four is already over. Yeah, we know that nothing. <laughs> uh. It's going to change. From Good point. Be, from, That's fair. Right. I mean, it, it's like an episode of, of you know Star Trek. We know that it's, all the characters are going to be fine at the end. Babylon 5 is going to be at, fine at the end. Third space aliens aren't going to take over the galaxy um, because it's it's history, and it's squeezed between two episodes that have already happened. So that, yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it's odd that it's divorced completely from the, uh, uh, from the, the overarching narrative, mm. but... It's also squeezed into that narrative, so we know that it can't affect anything. So, yeah. I mean, it's basically a kind of a moot point. We already know what the outcome is going to be. It, I think it suffered not having any of the funnier, wackier characters, really. There was no Jakar, no Londo, and no uh, Garibaldi, which is kind of the right. triumvirate of lightening things up, right? It right. did on the, on the plus side, it did have Susan. Exactly, yeah. And she was, again, as always, a big reason why what was good was good. I'm thinking this may have been the last time we saw Ivanova. In, it in, was. When it was aired, right? Because in the beginning, right. she she was in it briefly, but it aired before this. Right. So this is they, the last time. They had, a, they had to film this one first because this one was still on her, her original contract. Yeah. They, they, could squeeze, they could squeeze it in, underneath that contract, so they had to film this one first, which is... Yeah. It's, it sucks because this is the last time we see her, but at least we got this with her. And they used her a lot right. in this. She got to do some they good did. stuff. They did, and she had a fist fight scene with another another woman. It was, it was yeah. awesome. And we got, a, we, we, we got our last in many, many installments of Ivanova Has Trouble Sleeping. Right. Has there ever been a character on television that had more trouble sleeping? Right. She just never can get a good night. Somebody's always waking her up, or she's on a funky yeah. Minbari bed, or something's going on, you know. That's why she's always grumpy, man. She's always grouchy. I love it. I know it. I know it. So my question to you then is, without all these things we just talked about, if this was just another season four episode somewhere in between Into the Fire and, uh, and like Epiphanies or whatever... How would we remember it? Like if it was a two-part episode in between Into the Fire and and you know Epiphanies or whatever. That is a good question. I don't think it would be remembered as fondly because it it is completely divorced from yeah. the overarching story. So why dedicate two episodes to it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean the 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 only other there's a couple other two-parters. I mean that you can count as two-parters, and they were epic. I mean like major league epic. This one wasn't. 
I mean, it could have been, I guess, if, if they had tied it to the Shadow War or the, 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 the you know, I, I, I don't know how they would have tied, tied it to the main narrative. Yeah. To make, I mean, it, it, it might have been an interesting season one episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, it would have been where, a great season one episode yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would have worked there because season one was so episodic and you didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, who, who was going to, you know, where everything was going. Or, I mean, by, by the time this one aired, I mean, 80% of the, the, the story had been told, you know, of, of yes. Babylon 5. So it, yeah. it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to invest any, you know, in, anything into watching it because we know that it has zero to do yeah. and zero impact on what happens. But if this had aired in season one as just another season one episode, I think that would have worked great because, you know, you, you wouldn't know. You, I mean, how is this tied? Where, where is this thing coming from? Who's behind it? You know, they would obviously have to fiddle with some stuff, but the Vorlons could still be behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it, it, I think it would have worked very well as a season one episode now that I think about it. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Even season two. Right, yeah, season two as well. I agree. Somewhere in there, yeah. It just, it would have been, because we knew all the Vorlon stuff to the point that the Vorlons were gone. The Vorlons were not a mystery anymore when Third Space aired, or even when Third Space happened. Right. But if it happened in season one or two, when we didn't know a lot about the Vorlons, and then you come out with this thing, and you're just like, where'd this thing come from? And Kosh could be just kind of (laughs) like, imagine the council's all sitting around having a meeting, like, where could this thing have come from? <laughs> and then followed by I think I left the stove on in my quarters. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it, it I, I think it I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I can see a lot of ways that they could have made this a really cool mm-hmm. early season episode. Back when it was still Vorlon's on Central in Babylon 5, yeah. Right. All right, the other thing, I like how JMS chooses which characters he wants to include in the movies because he doesn't use the entire cast. He uses, like, you know, this person, this person, this person, this person, and kind of shapes the script to get each of them something to do. So I did like right. that just about everybody. This was a big Zach story. I'd forgotten. Zach story, yeah. He got a lot to do in this. He did, for sure. Probably more than any of the other episodes or anything, other right. than maybe yeah, some exactly. of the Nightwatch stuff, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. And, I th- and, yeah. and saying that the actor really delivered in this one too. That that whole scene in the elevator, the whole mon- I mean, it was basically a monologue because it was because uh, she wasn't responding to him at all, and he, he did a great job with it. I thought. I, I wonder how many takes that took, and how many times right. uh, Lita cracked up and like messed him up. <laughs> you know, it happened at least once. Yeah. I need to get my old uh, Babylon Five blooper tape out and dra- drag out a VCR and, and go through it and see if there's any third space stuff on it because you know it's got to got to right. Anyway. I found a lot of discussion online about where exactly this episode takes place, and the consensus seems to be it takes place. Some people thought in between Into the Fire and the next one after that, moments of transition. And then others thought it took place between scenes in atonement. Because so, there's it's the problem is, believe it or not, when you really get into it, there's no place that it actually fits because Zach wasn't wearing that uniform yet in some episodes, but yet certain things had happened, some things hadn't happened yet. It gets right. it gets really weird. It's like they they narrowed it down to like a five minute space inside <laughs> atonement that it could have taken place in. Because like Delenn wasn't there during, on the station during the time it could that Zach was in the right uniform that John right. was you know you know what I mean it's like when you take everything into account there's like a there's like one moment in one episode it could have happened right it's That's crazy funny. it's just I mean it's stupid but it, it's pointless but it's funny uh, let's see um, there's a lot of talk about the white stars and the jump points and the quantum forty and the jump gates and uh, you know a lot of just picky stuff. Um, Somebody somebody made the, re- the 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 theory that in Ivanova's dream, Veer is being caressed by women while Ivanova is, thinks she's dying. Was that because Veer was willing to give in while Ivanova was fighting it? Ooh, yeah, I can see that. That's so she, cool. he, he was rewarded, and we already know that the way to the way that you know what Veer likes is like Centauri chicks all over, and we didn't know that until uh, we watched what uh, uh, Sleeping in Light, right? He's quite the ladies' man once he once he gets power. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, how did the Vorlons get into third space to begin with? Because Lita said the door has to be open from both sides. So if the Vorlons built the gate and opened their side, how did the third space aliens know to open their side? Were they just know, sitting maybe. there with a door open waiting for somebody to open it? And if and what does that maybe. even mean? You know what I mean? I, what maybe, is it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe they heard the Vorlons knocking. Hmm. Or maybe the Vorlons built the device on an already existing hmm. uh, rupture in third space. Hmm. And then you heard, you heard. Let's open this door. I'm sure there's nothing dangerous. <laughs> uh, let's see. Did anybody help the Vorlons in their original fight against the third space aliens? We don't really know. Um, this may have been what prompted the Vorlons to put more effort into research on telepathy, which kind of sent them down the telepath road, if it was a million years ago. Yep. Um, let's see. Why didn't anybody ever help ask Drawl for help? I just think they never got a chance. There was They were like running around busy, and they didn't really have a... What could Drawl have done? I guess shoot some missiles or something? I don't know. Right. Sent, <laughs> sent the third space gate back in time? That'd be kind of funny. Um, yeah, what were those creatures inside the artifact? Were they the aliens? Did they arrive after it opened? Were they lying dormant in there? It's just a question as to exactly what's going on with the third space gate. Is that like a doorway? It's just, is it like an anteroom? Is it like right. the third space elevator? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, just, I don't, it's, it's all kind of functionally strange, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. According to George Johnson, the producer, Third Space contained more new special effects shots than all of season one combined. I can I can see that. There's, There's a reason why it couldn't have been a season one episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, they misspell EMF emissions on the screen at one point. Oh, Ivanova says they use carbon dating, and that doesn't make any sense at all. That's not how carbon dating works. And then finally, Sheridan's passphrase is a bra- contains a braxis from Gnostic mythology found on small talismans, popular in the Roman Empire. Um, it was also the story, like a whale story or something with that, a braxis. I don't know. Maybe that's something from a comic book. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. JMS says Barlow, Wayne Barlow did a great job designing the aliens. Uh, they didn't have that. Somebody asked, is there more money for these movies? We didn't really have that much more money. Each episode costs a little under a million dollars. So you're now talking two million for two hours. You got another million to spend, but all the prices go up by union scale and whatever else is negotiated. Actor fees go up, writer fees go up, director fees go up, crew fees go up. So at the end of the day, you have a little more to spend, but not really that much. And. Um, Let's see. The, you know, it's interesting er- you mentioned that when yeah. one episode of She-Hulk cost $25 million. Good Lord. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And then somebody asked, was Third Space the pilot or lead up to Crusade? True or untrue? is untrue. Of course, they've gotten it confused with a call to arms, which we'll get to in a few weeks. Right. All right, Andy, I think it's time for the categories. All right, I'm good. What was I had a real hard time with this. This whole set of categories. I had a really hard time. I, uh, I did too. <laughs> I had a hard time. We got to help each other get through this. All right. All right. I'm what was your me. what was your high point? High point for me was the the alien designs. The, I loved the 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 gateway. I loved the spaceships, especially more the capital ships than the the individual fighter ships. I thought the capital ships were really cool looking with the, like the bulbous glowing bits all over them and the aliens I thought were really cool too. I thought that was probably one of the most alien-looking aliens yeah. we've seen on the show, and it, it looked good. I mean, the, the the computer well, the computer effects have have advanced since the uh, that what it was it the mind eater or something like that. Yeah, yeah, ninety-eight CGI is still ninety-eight CGI, but it was not terrible. Right, right. I mean, they were. I, I like when they are ambitious and they try for something big and bold. You right. Know, even if it's right. yeah, you're like, yeah, at least they tried. Now, to be fair, I did end up watching a lot of this one on my phone, so it was kind of small, but I remembered, you know, kind of how it looked and everything. Yeah. And um, for, for me watching this, it was the the CGI was really super jumpy. Yeah. I, I, don't th- I don't think it was formatted properly or something like that. I don't think it ever got the HD revamp 
because yeah. the, the, the CGI looked really bad. And I don't remember it looking like that. I mean, it was really glitchy, like, like you know, playing a video game with very low connectivity. Well, how were so, you watching it? What were you watching it on? Like, what? I was you watching it? it on my TV through Apple, my Apple Plus account, because I bought it through them. They have it? They do. Oh, I didn't know that. I bought the whole season from them several years ago, and it only had The Gathering. It didn't have any of the other movies. You got to buy them separately. Okay. Well, I've got them. Yeah. I got the. I have the DVD box set back here of all the movies, and I just ripped them all. So gotcha. that's how I've got them. I watched them on gotcha. my Plex server through my phone. Um, yeah, I think my high point was just seeing a big cosmic story set in season four, which is a really good time to do a big story like this. I wanted to like this more than I did, just because. It, again, it had so many elements that I should have liked. It had John Sheridan being a big, heroic, sci-fi leading man, using nuclear weapons to defeat an alien menace that's coming from like an HP... Le- that just sounds awesome. It sounds like right? it should have been awesome, and I feel like it just wasn't right. quite... Yeah. And and I said, having these aliens show up right after the Shadows and the Vorlons are defeated, like right after, like right after, just seemed a little redundant. I mean, it was just odd, you know, but yes. whatever. Yes. All right, what was your low point? Low point for me was uh, the elevator scene. Not because it was badly done, but just emotional. You just okay. I, I cringed the entire scene for uh, poor Zach. I mean, poor good Zach. lord. Talk and about poor Lita. your heart out. Yeah, well, yeah, Lita didn't even know that he was, you know, saying all this to her. Right. But, I mean, talk about pouring your heart out to somebody and then getting it, what he thought was stomped on by her. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that was, that was rough to watch. I felt bad for him. Oh, of course, yeah. And I just kept thinking if Lita had ended up with Zach, and like he said, he's like, you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, could give you a life that you're accustomed to or whatever, but I would, you know, and you're like, oh, but he would love you and take care of you and be right. devoted and everything, and sure would be a lot better than what she ends up doing in season five. Spoiler! Wood, 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 wood. <laughs> um, I said the low point was actually not Deuce, and I can't believe it either. <laughs> I was sure he was going to be the low point, and he wasn't. He was pretty good. I Honestly, Andy, the low point to me was anything involving the two IPX scientists. I just found them tiresome and annoying, and I just couldn't get really? them out the airlock fast enough. Yeah, I thought I thought Sherry Belafonte did a really good job. I, when, I, I, she kind of humanized, humanized. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. I she was much better than a thug type character. She was still a right. villain, but she was more bester right. than in some ways. Honestly, when she shot the other dude, I thought one down, one to go. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and the no, other the other dude wasn't bad either. I mean, mm, he's an he actor that I, I'm familiar with, but I'm just I don't know what I'm familiar with him yeah. from. Yeah, I but agree. I thought he I thought he was fine. He was just a te- just a technical guy, just you know, he kind just of doing his job. I just wanted more space battle and less IPX creepy people standing around talking about hieroglyphics and crap. All right, most Babylon Five scene. There were a lot of Babylon Five scenes in this, to be honest. There were, and for me, the most Babylon Five scene was. Uh, when Lita was relaying her memories from the Vorlons to uh, John and Delenn. I thought that was, yeah. I mean, because yeah. that, that touched on the whole history of mm-hmm. Babylon, or not of Babylon 5, but of the galaxy. And, and it, 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 it gave us a little bit more light on the, uh, the Vorlons, and it showed them being not the, the, um, the peak, you know, not, not the alpha predator, but as somebody that mm. was found themselves in over their heads. I thought that was kind of neat, too. So they did? It, it was it was it was kind of a cool well, scene. As usual, you're right. I had the big battle, a big a big space battle going outside the stadium is always going to win for me. Uh, and also seeing the Raiders again in their little triangular ships at the beginning was kind of cool. That yeah. was a real throwback to season one. Right. Absolutely. Kind of, kind of thought they'd bitten the dust, gone the way the dinosaur and the and the. Uh, oh, I was trying to think of what's the aliens that died. The Markab. They've gone the way of the Markab. I thought the Raiders had gone the way of the Markab. That's that's terrible. I'm 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 very I'm very sorry, you everybody, and I'm ashamed of myself now. What was your favorite what's your favorite character moment? Uh, favorite character moment was Ivana uh, Ivanova getting in the fight with uh, uh, Sherry Belafonte's character. I thought that was so cool because they were both just you know doing the the spin kicks and punching oh, yeah. and kicking and fighting. It was cool, and, and, and that's the first time that I can remember Ivanova just really letting loose and getting in a in a throwdown fist fight with somebody. I mean, she's thrown punches before, but never a back and forth. Yeah, you know, actual battle. I thought that was really cool. I that met her at Archon several years ago, and this was before you and I did the show. And I wish I, if I run into her at a convention again, I'm going to tell her that 
our big revelation was that she was the heart and soul of the show and that she ought to be, yeah. be proud of that. I, I I hope I get to see her again. My favorite character moment was the elevator, Zach and Lita. I, it's it, there's there have been several great elevator scenes moments right. in this show. Right, but I, but I but I do think and and this is the best one that didn't involve Jakar Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but probably the single most memorable scene in the movie, and again, as you said, just added at the last minute, and yet it ended up being the most memorable because it was the deepest character moment in the entire movie. Agreed. Um, so, what was the funniest moment? I struggled with this one. It, it's Ivanova. She when she was talking to Doctor Franklin when IPX was first starting all their stuff, and she said. How many of them can I kill before they notice? Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that whole conversation was pretty funny. Once again, you are, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> You're always correct. Because I noted all the funny characters weren't in this. So there wasn't, but I guess Ivanova's the one you're going to go to for funny she, when all these right? others are missing. Yeah. She, she, well, there was also a scene with, uh, at the very beginning with John and Delenn, and I forget what it was about. But it was a little bit on the funny side. She yeah. was doing something. She was doing something to him and give him a hard time about something. So, yeah. You know what was really not funny? Yeah. Which they try to make funny was when John was after he blew up the the the, the artifact was kind of floating away into space and he was asking Ivanova to come pick him up. She goes, "Oh, oh, in due time, I'll come pick you up." Ha 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 ha. Or was Meanwhile, that Delin? That was yeah, Delin. right there at the end. Yeah, that, that was, was the, no. That, that's that was the scene. no. That was Delin, not Ivanova. Yeah, Delin, Delin, correct. Not not Ivanova. Yeah. And and she's like, oh yeah, I'll come pick you up, ha ha ha. I'm like, D- the dude's floating away. He's got like zero air in his suit. He's got like zero fuel. You know, he's just gonna float away in his face. You're like, oh yeah, we'll come get you. I I didn't. That was a little too forced for me. Uh, yeah, and I kept thinking everything else in the path of this blast just got vaporized. Right. Sheridan didn't get vaporized, and apparently didn't even get massive radiation poisoning. Right. <laughs> he must have a heck of a spacesuit. Right. I mean, he was actually physically thrown away from the blast. And if you're that close, I mean, you'd probably get, you know, flash burn or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, How did he survive that at all? I mean, yeah. we know he's very handy with the nukes, but my gosh. Right. I wrote it up as that happened inside the artifact, so it was all absorbed into third space. Right? Uh, that's, how, that's how I, I rationalized it. Andy, it was, I, want, yeah. I want you to think about this. John Sheridan and that nuclear explosion, that was not the closest to a nuclear explosion that John Sheridan gets over the course of his life. Right. That was not the closest he physically is to a nuclear explosion. Right. And he dies an older man 20 years later. Right. Wrap your brain around that one. (laughs) Ow. Okay. Who won this episode? I put, I mean, the Babylon 5 uh, staff because yeah. I, mean, I, I couldn't really see any clear winner. No. Sheridan and Ivanova. Right, yeah. I, I didn't know who else. I mean, they all they all survived and they all saved the day. I mean, even Dr. Franklin had something to do, you know. He was, yeah. yeah, he did. He, he, got a, he got in a fist fight, too. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. With Deuce, no, no Deuce <laughs> was fighting Zach. Was he? I couldn't remember. Okay. It was I, all just I a forget. melee. Yeah. All right, who lost the episode besides the third space aliens? Yeah, I I waffled between the uh, the construct or the the maintenance crew that was you know trying to open it up because they got wiped out really good. Oh yeah, and uh, anybody watching third space? Ah, yeah. wow, wow, yeah. I said uh, Zach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's uh, a good one. Lita, not just because of that, but because, once again, she provides enormous help, and again, she's ignored in terms of any kind of reward. Yep. Totally taken for granted. Yep. And then Part I the said, court. all the survivors of the Shadow War who turned around and got killed by the third space aliens five minutes after the Shadow War was over. <laughs> Good gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I made it. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was your rating? And we don't do the P10 rating. We do the Van and Andy 5 rating. Right? So where are you? Man, I wanted to like this one. It was a I cool know. premise. I wanted to like this one yes. so much better. Yes. But it was... It was when I got done watching, I'm like, man, that is two hours. I'm never gonna get back. <laughs> I, I, I gave it two stars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I started out with a three point five, 
Whoa! Just based on what all it included, a lot of my favorite characters doing cool right. stuff, aliens, space battles, you know, season four. And then I took away a half a point for the execution. So, so three. three. I waffle between a two and a two point five. Yeah. And I, I do admit that part of my bias against this was, I mean, just going into it, I knew that it was completely meaningless. You know, that that nothing, there was no real sense of danger. Yeah. There was no sense of, of anything for me. I, I wish they would have done something a little differently with it um, than what they did because it, it came down to a, a you know a space battle and you knew already going into it who was going to win it. I mean, it was just like okay, how are they going to figure this out? And so I don't know. I I I just I I, I, I couldn't engage with it. That that's why I rated it as low as I did. I'm, I I'm it. sure it deserves a better rating than I'm giving it, but yeah. I just yeah. I, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't give it any higher than that. I said a solid but not exceptional B5 story should have been better than it was, which is pretty much what you're saying. Right. doesn't work as well in the short form as the long form, but right. it's about about as good as a short one's going to get probably. So would have been you better know, if Londo and Jacquard had some stuff to do in it or Garibaldi. Right. And after our conversation, if this had been a first season one hour long episode, oh. man, this would have been a this would have been a 3.5 star easily. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It would be a strong season. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, so we got to thank the patrons real quickly. Go to www.b5review.com. Click on the button, become a patron. And here are the fine folks who are currently doing that. We have to thank Allison Rich, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, Massive, Geek Cred, Rose, Debbie, No Spoilers, Norris, Dragon Con, Delenn, Emma Jane Alexander, Emmanuel Seaman, Grumpy Old SGU Fan. Jal Ja, Mondo6, Michael O'Connor, Middle-Aged Geek Tim, Pete, Andy might have a fan club, but we still buy all of Van's books Furman. Well, bless you, Pete. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, working, on a, working on a new one now. I got the cover art for the new one. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, I, I, and I saw the art. Yeah, huh? Huh? It's very, very cool. I'm excited yeah, for it. I am, too. Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una... And Una Luna Azul, I always get that messed up, Drazi Green, Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream Clone, with Boba Fett head, Michael Halbrook, and Stark Iller. Oh, Stark Iller. Stark Iller. Stark Iller. Stark Iller. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. All right. We do have a few comments, I believe. Uh, let's see. Um, 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 um. It's always hard to get to the comments here. And I'm going to try... Okay, so on our special Season 4 wrap-up with Nathan Laws, Michael O'Connor says, Gents, thanks for introducing me to SGU. I'd like to hear more, but if you sacrifice one second to B5 time for it, the folks on here may complain so much that comes the Inquisitor would seem pleasant. That's fair. I I would wrestle with that. We'll (laughs) see. Uh, Separately, he asks, is there an agreed list of books and comics? And he lists down the Babylon 5 canon checklist on b5books.com, which I'm not going to read all over of it. But we'll we'll get into that in more detail when we uh, talk about the books and comics coming up in a few months, probably, after Season 5. Which is Van's way of saying we haven't figured it out yet. No, and I'm not going to spend our <laughs> precious time tonight going through this great long list. We right. did a great list. Uh, Jal right. said the name you're looking for is Wade. Edgar's like, yeah, I couldn't pull, I couldn't yes, pull Wade's Wade. name out of my rear end. Yep. Pete says, I would disagree that Sheridan would have been better off going after Earth earlier for a list of reasons. Uh, he wouldn't have had most of the defecting Earth Force fleet backing him up. That's true. That's very um, true. At, at once you know, once Clark starts bombing and killing civilians, they start changing size a little bit. It would have just been shared and coming to Earth in a fleet of alien White Star ships, which have played right into Clark's hands. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm zipping along yep. here for time. He wanted to be Earth Force versus Earth Force, and he got that. Yeah. Second, yep. if he would have attacked earlier, he would have avoided facing the Shadow Hybrid ships. But at that point, Morden and Clark could have sent the actual Shadow Fleet somewhere. <laughs> okay, you you have me. Uh, you have me there. I'm afraid. Let's see. Ice Cream Clone says, "Great to hear the different views." Through the whole of season four, when I first started watching with season three and went back buying older VHS episodes, I always gravitated to Shadow or Marcus featured episodes. So I agree with Nathan about the blow felt losing Marcus in addition to Susan. It ripped the heart out of B5 and me, hopeless romantic. Looking forward to third space and in the beginning. Um, 
Yeah. Middle-aged Geek Tim says, I would have liked to see Ivanova and Lockley try and command B5. It would have been made for some great stories. I can only imagine who would have the higher rank. Yeah, that is true. It would have been interesting to see Ivanova back in Earth Force and Lockley there and kind of like one's kind of, com- I guess, like if Sheridan's gone, then Ivanova would be kind of like the ranger type army of light person and, and Lockley would be the bureaucratic Earth Force person. And they'd that right. would have been some interesting politics that, yeah conscience. that would have been really cool i, I would have yeah i never thought of that about that but that that would have been interesting ben massive geek cred rose says after watching third space i have some questions one since the white stars can't launch and recover star furies why weren't the minbari fighters used to ambush the raiders and why did the star furies have to fly a few hours to the nearest jump gate instead of having one of the white stars open a jump point for them. Somebody did ask JMS about the jump opening the jump points like that and he had an answer and I don't remember what it was, but and I'd have to go back and search for it, but but it is an interesting question though. Can the white stars open a jump point and then let other ships go through it instead of them or follow right. them, I guess. Right. So, I don't know, interesting. Uh, number two, if future te- even if future technology allows us to measure carbon-14 on something older than 60,000 years, how does carbon dating work if they don't know what planet it came Exactly. We already we, we covered that. That's a very good point. Right. Three, at one point, Sheridan and Ivanov are talking about Lita and how she might be able to help since the artifact is sending out telepathic impulses and it has Vorlon riding on it. Sheridan says, quote, know anyone that got closer to the Vorlon than she did, unquote. I repeat, Captain John Sheridan asked if anyone else got close to the Vorlons. The man who was told by Lorian that he has a Vorlon inside him. Well, a piece <laughs> of one. After that same Vorlon told him to jump off a cliff on Sahadim, Doom, the man who, spoiler space, at one point in season five, something involving the Vorlons that I won't say. No, smiling Johnny, we can't think of anyone else who got close to the Vorlons. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm glad that Pete, right. ben, I'm glad that Ben brought that up because that's exactly, absolutely true he has one more point all right why was this set in between the shadow war and the earth civil war when it was made after season four it could have just as easily been set in between seasons without any major changes but now a major event like this happens but we but won't be referenced in the last half of the season that's kind of what you were talking about right yeah they yeah they don't even mention it at all so i i I think that would have been that would have been a I didn't think of that. That would have been really cool to set it between the, the two seasons because we didn't know what was happening in season five. I My only thing is that they talked a good bit about using the um, about the IPX trading um, access to the stuff they needed for access right, to yeah. third space. It gave, it gave them a little leverage and a little need that they wouldn't have later. So, I'm but, sure... That, you could work that around that, though. Point, yeah, that plot point could have been worked out pretty quickly. All right. There's our patron comments. In our next episode, we will cover In the Beginning, which is an interesting one. I think we may end up liking it. I, it's one of these things where abstractly, if I just, if you just walked up to me cold and said, do you like, which do you like better, Third Space or In the Beginning? I'd say Third Space. Yeah. But when we sit down and watch him, I think it may be the other way for me. I know it will be yeah. for you. Yeah, well, yeah, I loved it in the beginning. I'll, uh, spoiler, I, I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to seeing if it holds up. Yeah. My All right, so we're going to be doing that one in two weeks, and then I have just one thing here. So I'm going to do the jump gate. We're going to go to the spoiler space, and then we'll be out of here. Jump gate activated. Is it safe to come back yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Kosh, stay away. You, you still messed up. We still don't want you around. All right, I have one spoiler space thing for you, Andy. There's right. a fan that we, that we haven't talked about. There is a fan theory that the third space aliens are also the hand from Legend of the Rangers. Ooh. Yeah. Because you remember in Legend of the Rangers, or maybe you don't. And, I do. and if you, and I go say, and if you don't, God bless you, because. <laughs> You know, Legend of the Rangers, but th- there's a th- in, in Legend of the Rangers they talk about the hand or these aliens that are like make the shadows look like nothing, and right. that really ticked me off because we were told the shadows were the oldest and most powerful beings in the galaxy, other than Lorian, right? right? And then you pop up this new group of aliens for this one dumb movie and say, oh, they're way more powerful than the shadows. I'm like, I call BS. I call BS on that. But if they're not from this universe, it works, right? Especially since it was established in this movie. They push the Vorlons around. Yeah, right. That, yeah. That's, so that's, it's not you know, canon. We, 
when, well, when we watch Legends of the Rangers, we'll have to keep that in mind, and maybe it will suck less <laughs> than what we think. It and and retroactively make third space better too. Right. Wow. <laughs> Somebody needs to ask J- JMS on Twitter: Is it possible that the third space aliens are the hand? And you know he would just he'd blow it off. He wouldn't. He would. There's no. I'd bet ten dollars, ten American dollars. He just blew it off. Now somebody's going to go do it, right? Yeah. I would. I bet ten American dollars that he would just absolutely not answer us. He would not give you a straight answer, right? He'd give a mumbo jumbo evasive answer. He seems to be a lot more open to talking about Legends of the Rangers than he is about talking about um, Crusade. Well, at least with you, I don't. Know. Oh God, he doesn't want to talk about Crusade. <laughs> period. Good Lord. Right. He's bitter about that. There's something that happened behind the scenes that he's super bitter about Crusade. He is. He's bitter. He has been for years. I tried to talk to him about it in 2006 in Charlotte at Heroes Con, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Well, Andy, we've gotten to the end of third space. I guess it's time to close that thing up and chuck it back into the jump gate. Right. I'm I'm ready to do that. (laughs) All right. We got through it. We'll let that sucker drift for as long as it can. There it goes. All right. I'm going to post this one for our listeners out there, and I'm looking forward to their comments on it. Did you did you like it as much or better than me, or did you dislike it kind of like Andy did? We weren't that far apart, but you kind of have a negative. I'm kind of a mostly positive, so but not in a big way. I'm curious to hear what people say. All right. We're going, to, we're going to go through the jump gate, and we will see you guys to talk about In the Beginning in two weeks. See you later, Andy. All right. Take care, man. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.